I don't know about you, I'm really encouraged this morning. Very encouraged this morning. One, because football is starting in a couple weeks. And two, the kids go back to school tomorrow. So I'm really encouraged. And all the ones who work on campus, your work begins. And all the parents say, my grocery bill has gone down by $25. I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Pastor Rich. I'm the lead pastor here to our guests in here this morning. And good to see everybody here. I know school starts fall. Summer's almost over. And we're really excited about the fall, what it has coming up. So if you've been coming a while, um, we're in the book of Acts. Um, we're going to think we're going to, this is not our last message. We have one next week. But we're going to be in, a, in Acts chapter uh, 11, verses 19 through 30. We're actually going to actually um, start off with Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But before you do that, I want to ask you a question, a couple of questions. You can write them down, and I won't even ask you for the answers. One, first question is this. Are you an optimist or realist or a pessimist? Are you an optimist, a realist, or a pessimist? Are you truly, truly encouraged today? Or are you just on the edge? You're discouraged and you say, I can't go another day. Let's write that answer down. morning's message is called Fire Igniters. Fire Igniters. And it's one of the first church plants that happened in, in Acts to the Gentiles. In fact, if you got your Bible, the first scripture you're going to go to is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Keep those answers close to you because I'm going to ask them again at the end. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we spent the la- all summer going through the book of Acts and watching the, 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 the Holy Spirit and watching the church's birth in Jerusalem and then go to Judea. And last week we talked about where it is in Samaria. And then we talked about the difference in cultures and how the Bible was crossing over the different cultures. And today we're going to talk about the city of Antioch, which is in, no, when that time was in northern Syria. And today it's actually in part of Turkey. And what it is, is the gospel going there and some of the circumstances, how the gospel got there. There was a persecution, if you've been reading with us, through the, the Jerusalem church, which made everyone scatter. And when they scattered, they took their Bibles and they started preaching the gospel all over the place. Last week, we talked about Philip. Today, we're going to talk about Barnabas, who we met back in chapter 2. He's to call him the son of encouragement. And it's talking about Antioch, which is about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. It's a large and cosmopolitan city. It became the birthplace of the Gentile church with the gospel. It became a missionary center in the Old Testament, in the New Testament church in the very beginning. If you look at it, it was the third largest church, I mean, city in the Roman Empire. And it was interesting because the gospel went through all different Cultures. If you were in that city at that time, you had Greeks there, you had Jews there, you have Orientals, Persian, Indians, and the Romans all together in this city. And the gospel landed right in the middle of it. One thing when you read the Bible, 
you get to see how God is into being multicultural. One thing I love about the New Testament is about being multicultural. It started here. Now, and then we're going to talk today about the ends of the earth. If it didn't happen in Antioch, the gospel, we would not be sitting here today because we represent the ends of the earth. And when we go, if you read the, read the end of Acts, it, op, it closes open-handed-wise. It's open-ended because we're still writing the book of Acts here today to the ends of the earth. If you have your Bibles again, it'll be on the screen. We're going to go to Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. Talking about the gospel, I want you to show you four things that happened there. First, we saw them engage the people. They encouraged the believers. They established the Christians. And the last thing is they empowered the Christians. Let's go to engaging the people. So now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. Those are what you call those who just want to stay within their own um, people. But, but, I love the but, there were some that ran, some of them men of Cyprus and Cyrene who coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. Now when you saw the word Hellenists from Acts chapter 6, we're talking about the Greek Jews. This one here is Greeks. They wouldn't spoke to the common folk, the Gentiles. How many, how many of y'all know what a, who a Gentile is? Say, I'm a Gentile. So I'm the nicest looking Gentile you've ever seen. I'm the baddest looking Gentile you've ever seen. See, you got to know that stuff. Some of you taking Bible class, you ought to give me some of your, um, your grade. Also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. A couple observations on them engaging the people. Did you notice I didn't say pastors? These were ordinary people, ordinary Christians, sharing the Bible, started to work with the power of the Lord. And they preached the Lord Jesus, not the Savior Jesus, the Lord Jesus. The Savior Jesus is keep me out of hell. The Lord Jesus run my life. So when they preached, they started in the very beginning. He is Lord of all or Lord at, not at all. That's what made it. They preached the Lord Jesus. Ordinary folks. And when God sees a people who want to give his message, he always confirms his message by his spirit. So the word of God was on their lips and the hand of God was on their witness. And they ran away. Stephen got killed. And they ran. But they didn't leave empty-handed. They didn't have a Bible like us. They ran and they shared the gospel. See, the a difference. When you run away from something, spread it. Don't leave it. Amazing thing that took place there. But it's ordinary people doing extraordinary things with God backing them up. How many think you're not good enough to share the gospel. Why? You're here, right? What did Jesus do for you? Share that. And you become a pro. So they engaged the people. And the first thing that happened when they engaged the people, 
They start coming to Jesus. They start coming to the Lord. The church was started. The ordinary folks doing extraordinary work like us. We're ordinary folks, and we do extraordinary work when God's behind it. The church started just off a word. And that's how you engage people today, guys. How do we change the world? One family, one child at a time. When we engage them with the gospel. It's amazing how this church plan started with ordinary folks, not the, not the leaders, not the apostles. Ordinary people. You know why you're ordinary people? They didn't even have a name. Did they give them a name? No. But they made the book. Now, here's the thing. If you gave your life to Jesus, you made the book too. It's amazing. So they, they engaged the people. The next thing they did, they encouraged the believers. Look at this. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. He came and saw the grace of God. He was glad and exhorted them. Circle that. To remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, and he was a good man. Full of the Holy Spirit. In our faith. That's his qualifications. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Here's a, here's a cutting edge here. The church in Jerusalem, because they loved Jesus, still had a problem with non-Jews receiving the gospel because they weren't circumcised. Now, if you go to chapter 10, Peter was awakened by the Lord and gave him a vision about don't call anybody unclean. Chapter 11, they heard that the Holy Spirit broke out in Antioch, so they decided to send somebody to check it out, make sure this is authentic. They sent the right guy because here's Barnabas, son of encouragement. He's a Jew from Cyprus, so he was already part of the crew. And he went to check it out, and he saw something. He saw the grace of God on the people. He didn't think it was fake. How about when you look out at the world today? Do you believe God is in everything, or do you think we're just, it's over? Do you see the grace of God in everything, or do you think it's over? How many get excited like you used to on little things? No one anymore? How about when you, okay, guys, let me talk to the guy. How about when you, do you, some of you guys still wash your car by hand? Man, I'm really old. How about, oh wait, I got this. Do some guys cut the grass? What do you do after you cut the grass? What do you do? You go look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you see something pop up and you go, get out of there. And then three days later, it looks like you never did anything. The little things that you get excited about. What encourages, see the grace of God in everything. Optimists see, okay, this is going on, but God is in the middle of it. Pessimists, it's all over. Pack your bags. It's done. We're finished. Realists will never change. Don't you see that? Don't you see that? And I, I tell people, you, you got to be optimist today. Because if you don't, your children will say the same thing you say. Can I give you a testimony? You know that building across the street that we've been praying for? Did y'all blame me that the other one caught fire? I didn't do that. God's in everything. 
Well, this one, the roof fell in on it. It's like when you pray for people, life gets bad for them. They have to realize they need Jesus. Well, not only did the roof fall in on it, I just got news from one of our guys. They're going to tear the building down. Why does that mean? Because that is a great gymnasium, I mean, a great area for us to have a playground. You know why it's happening? Because a couple of us are just crazy enough to leave God for it. Now, if you really want to get in on the act, this building over here, either they give it to us for youth or they have to let it go. More parking? Who's with me? The realist says, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. It's going to happen, and you're not going to be allowed in either. I don't know. One thing you got to remember, other thing that happened here, he encouraged the people. To encourage people, you got to believe in them. Barnabas went and got Saul. The last time they heard about, we talked about Saul in chapter 9, verse 27, after his conversion, he was the one that was killing Christians and pulling them out of houses and persecuting them. And he brought them to them. And I know he had a reputation. It's been going about 10 years. But you know, when he was able to do that, when you encourage people, you believe in people. You're not just doing this, a lip service. You truly believe in people. In fact, the job I have, you cannot do this job unless you believe that everyone has a calling on you. Because you hurt when they hurt. And when they stumble, you, you feel it. But he took a guy who no one wanted to be bothered with the first time he went to Jerusalem and said, hey, this guy is amazing. He's awesome. The gospel really happened. He's been transformed. He is not persecuting Christians anymore. He is preaching Jesus. Can you hear the guys? Oh, no, no, no. This guy is so bad. I don't even want to be bothered with him. And he happened. They wanted to kill him. So he had to leave for about 10 to, 10 to, um, 10 to 12 years and went to Tarsus and preached the gospel in the way that the writers are saying. If you want to know how that, I knew all about that, Galatians chapter 2, 1 through 12, it talks about this visit here. One thing about Acts, it cross-references to other New Testament books. But it's amazing. And you encourage the believers, you have to really believe in them. Now, the word encouragement, everyone thinks, you tell me I'm great. You tell them I'm awesome. No, encouragement is a little different in the Bible's sake. It means to come alongside with somebody to instruct them. Let me give you an example. I love to run track in high school. And I had a chance to have, to, to be the, I lived in Queens, New York, had the chance to be the Queens champ. And the guy I was going up against, I can beat him in my sleep. Well, I didn't train hard. So they put me in a position, what I thought was wrong to uh, help me lose. So I went to my coach. I said, coach, I can't believe they put me in this position. They set me up to lose. So I started blaming my position. The coach turned around and said, Rich, it wasn't the position. It was your preparation. How do you think I handled that? He encouraged me. He saw me not preparing properly. It rubbed sometime the wrong way, but I tell you what, when it came for the next meet, I took out everybody. 
because he encouraged me in that. The encouragement in the Bible, you can, like when I first came in, I sat over here where some of these young people are. And the drummer here was Kevin, Kevin Blackwell. He came down out, off the, out the stage out, after worship and came up to me and said, look, man, I got to tell you this. I know you can do more than dress good. You talking to me? Next week, I started serving. He encouraged me his way. Like, guys, you know, let's get going. That's what encouragement's about. It might rub you sometimes, but it's so good for you. We know you're great. We know you're awesome, but sometimes you don't see it. We got to help you see how awesome and what you can do in God. We believe everyone has a calling in God. Everyone has a, God has a plan for. And we see it, and we want you to see it. And sometimes we'll scream at you until you see it. Sometimes we'll cry at you until you see it. Sometimes we'll offend you so you see it, so you can walk and be all that God called you to be. Is it an easy job? No. Is it the best job? Yes, because the richest place on the planet is the graveyard. And I'll explain that. That's where unfulfilled dreams were never fulfilled. And people died with them. Only you can do what you call to do that God has for you. Amen? Right, Josh? School. June. Rah. I'm back on now, brother. You can get offended if you want to, but I know where you live. And the encouragement, when you encourage people, one of the things we do, we... We actually do this. We encourage you not to give up. I can imagine, he said, that you have a purpose. Because these were Gentiles with no training but had Jesus. And they knew he knew they were going to get persecuted sooner or later from inside by the Jews coming down telling them, you're not really born again unless you're circumcised. You're not really this. You're not really that. And what he was doing was telling them, do not shake. Stay in the game. I don't care how bad it gets. Stay in this game. Don't quit. Don't give up. I know it must be a scripture here. First uh, Corinthians 15, 58. I know he had to share this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That should be everyone really screaming because you stay there because preceding that says Jesus Christ gives us the victory in all things. Because we have a kingdom that doesn't shake. Kingdom doesn't shake because the economy is bad. Kingdom doesn't shake because there's riots going on. It doesn't shake because there's terrorists overseas. It doesn't shake. And since I'm a kingdom kid, I'm not going to shake and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on preaching and say, Jesus is going to take care of all this. Got loud. I get excited. Because I believe it. I really do. I want you to believe it. I don't want you to walk discouraged. I don't want you to walk in fear. I want you to walk in victory. I want you to have an uplook. You can imagine him telling them this because they're already starting to feel the pressure of it. Can I say this? Being a Christian is not easy. Let me agree. It's not easy. And we need encouragers. All the time, every single day. Next thing you see, something changes. He established the Christians. And when he found them, he brought them to Antioch for a whole year, and they met with the church and taught a great many people in Antioch. The disciples were first called what? 
Christians. And they stayed an extra year with Paul, which is Saul then. And Barnabas, as an encourager, did not care. He needed help with this brand new church. And he didn't, and you'll see later on, if you read through the book of Acts, it was supposed to be Barnabas and Paul. It turned around, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas took the, the back seat. You know, one thing about an encourager and establishing people, you're like a point guard. You just want them to, you give them the ball and let them do great things. That's what I love about this church, our team here. You give them the ball and let them just surprise you on what's going to happen next. That's what happened here. Established. Not only were the people established, but Paul was established again as a man of the gospel. Because remember, he came in with a reputation. He staying with Paul really encouraged them. And I know he encouraged Paul. And in his word, Christians, some people say it was a slant in those days, but it's the Greek word for the Jews call him Messiah. The Jews would never call him Christians. It's a Greek word, Christ, it's a Greek word for the Messiah. It means Christ's people. Now it says Paul was full, of, I mean, uh, Marvis was full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. He was a good man. And I say this, not only when you're in a relationship or in a church, discipleship, you not only teach what you know, you impart who you are. One thing I learned about leadership, John Maxwell tells you straight out, if you're complaining about the people who are working with you and you're the boss, it's just a reflection of who you are. So they were established because of what the character traits of Barnabas. A lot of people want to preach. And they'll tell you, every time I give, they say, I want, I know what I do, I give them a domestic answer. I give them an internal answer. How's your marriage? How's your anger? How's your money? How's your character? Well, if you read about leadership, it's from the inside out. Because you will transfer that mess to someone else. If the church is sick, it's because the leaders are sick. Come on, somebody. That's what it's about. So he established something strong. And then there was something different about these people that they call them Christians. A lot of, I got a lot of guys who are on a negative um, pull on this. About, well, I don't want to cause Christians no more. I want to cause Christ followers. Because they got so discouraged about what they thought they saw. When you say you're a Christian, people see Christ in you. That's how important it is. Gifts are fantastic, but you impart your character to people. And someone they said, these are... This, it's a guy, Jesus, we've been reading about. These guys act just like he does. So they must be Christians. We'll give them a new name. And that's why we have that name today. Colossians 2.6 says this. Therefore, as you receive Jesus, Christ Jesus, Lord, so walk in him. As you receive him, Walk in him that you establish something. That's when he's Lord, you walk in him. I know that's a tough one there. But Christian word, the name, is nothing to play around with. It's a calling. It's an honor to be called a Christian. 
It's an honor when you're at your workplace and someone curses and they say, I'm sorry, and you didn't say anything. You ever get that? I didn't, I'm so sorry. I don't know why you curse. And you know why? Because the Christ in you is messing with them badly. So walk in him. The more Christ. Again, ordinary guys without degrees. America is to get to have this degree, this degree before you step out and you say, Jesus changed my life. By the time you get the degree, you forgot what you were going to say. Believe me. They'll take the Bible and rip it up and say, do you really believe anymore? No, I don't even like you, but I got to have this paper so I can talk to people. <laughs> really. It's about Christ in you. Another scripture. Hope of glory. Last thing, they empowered the Christians. Now, in these days, the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, Agabus, stood up and foretold the Spirit, by the Spirit, that there would be a great famine all over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to whose ability, his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so, sending by the elders, by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. It's amazing. They're sending, the sister church is sending the money to the the mother church, because they weren't doing too well financially. Now, the mother church gave them the word spiritually. The sister church was giving them support physically. And that's what happens when you do that. When you become, you're talking about Christians, it's others first. And they went by Paul, Saul and Barnabas. That means he left them by themselves. Because they were able to carry on without them, because now they can travel. They're igniters. The igniter is. It all started from one guy encouraging everybody. Can I share a scripture with you? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. This is for today. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. The word hold fast, stand still, without wavering. For he who promises what? He who promises what? 24. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Talking about the end times there. But one thing about, go back to stirring one another up. You look at that word stir, it's like friction. Now, you know some of you guys, they said, man, Pastor Rich is always riding me and calling me and just choking so much. You know why? Because I think you need to be stirred up about your faith. If you had a rough week, we get ahead, us guys, we get on each other's and just because we need to stir one another up. Stop about just stirring it up, stirring the pot, causing a little chaos so we can be encouraged. And he says, even more today. And I was telling this to Miss Don, she says, you know where that happens? And I didn't think about it. I should have. She said, it happens here. Happens in life groups. Happens all in his church. But when you don't show up, Unless you got someone in your face, man, you can do another push-up. 
I know you can do some push-ups. I know you're, great, you're better than this. Come on, man. Come on, lady. Come on, girl. Come on. Know where that happens? Because this is the place we tell you who you truly are. This is why identification comes. You have a lot of labels. Divorce. This. Adopted. All the labels of the world. Except the true label that counts. You're Christ's people. You're truly Christ's people. Now, those are the events in your life, but they don't define your life. And what do you have to hear that air sometime for us every single day? You got to say it every day that you can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens you. But it's through Christ. Apart from Christ, I can accomplish nothing. That's my favorite scripture, Philippians 4.13. Everything I'm doing, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I mean, it's everything. 25. Don't neglect this season coming up as a habit of some. They were having church issues there too. But encourage one another. So when they, someone says, man, I just got this new job, and you're like, yeah, that's awesome. Don't be, well, really? This is a good job? If it's not a real good, don't get stay away from me, please. Because there's fire igniters and there's fire extinguishers. And every time you try to make a mark in this world, you shall meet an eraser. And where I know it's around society today, everyone's trying to erase everything. It's not going well. We're not, I'm telling you right now, the church is the only place that we'll find out who we are and then we'll know what, exactly what to do. And I believe what God wants us to do here in this city is to encourage those in my job, those on the campus, those on the airplane, those everywhere I go, God wants me to bring a word, which is saying, you know what? It's a great day outside, isn't it? And I didn't think about that. Even at Walmart. Yeah, y'all, I've seen y'all in Walmart. Give me that thing. I've been last, I've lasted two minutes here. That's too long. Bless them. Even in Walmart. Everyone needs an encouraging word. No one needs a label. The alcoholic, the divorcee, single parent. Now, how about this? Crisis children. Arrogant. No, crisis children. And we need I don't know about you, every single day. Every day. More now than ever. As the days are drawing near, I wish I could tell you it's going to get better, but if you read the end of the Bible, we're on track. 
But that doesn't mean we stop preaching. Don't mean we stop singing. Doesn't mean we stop witnessing. Doesn't mean anything, but we increase it all the more. You encourage it all the more. Because they need it. Because they're not going to find it in work. We're not going to find it in anything else except in Christ Jesus himself. And wherever you are, let him be the one that speaks the words. Some of you got words coming this way and that way that are not good for you. And you fight it all the time. And you got to know it's a lie. If it doesn't say Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, he died for that. If it's saying that you're guilty of it, get rid of it. Or find someone to pray that out of you because it's a lie. Because the number one thing that we fall short on is condemnation. Condemnation is our number one thing. Versus conviction. Convicted, I change. Condemnation, I want to give up. I just want to give up. Can't do this any longer. Can't be a parent any longer. This is tough. Who told you that? You're the perfect parent. You're the perfect husband. Don't read a book saying you're not. Because grace, God's grace, says, I'm not there yesterday. I'm not here today, but I'll be there tomorrow. Because you see how you see people? Jesus saw Peter as a leader when Peter was still a fisherman. So you speak life into people's lives. You don't call them where they are. You call them where you want God to put them, where God be built to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Those questions I asked you earlier, How do you see life today? Are you discouraged or are you encouraged? The season you're in, are you encouraged or are you discouraged? If I've been speaking to you, every head, head down, every eye closed. If you're facing discouragement right now, just lift up your hand and you put it down. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. No shame in that. Anybody else? Thank you. Father, I pray for these folks right now. I pray they will hear your voice in such a magnificent way. Let them know that you are the one that engaged them. You are the encourager. You established them in your faith, and you empower them to do great things here on earth. I pray for those who raise their hand they don't even know. They've been hearing the lies of the enemy, and we bind that right now in the name of Jesus. We ask God for your freedom to come into their heart, that no condemnation shall come near their ears. I pray they make commitments to commit to you in such a greater way, that we'll come together and we'll be able to encourage one another. Let no one feel like they're the long ranges. There's no such thing as the long ranges in heaven and in the church. I praise you and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. What we're going to do right now is something special. 
going to pray for our college students going back to school. They're going to get A's. The guy said, I ain't getting no. See? See? You didn't learn anything. Just kidding. How many teachers do I have here this morning? How many educators? Stand up. Stand up, educators. If you homeschool, stand up. Come on. Educators. My educators. Let's pray for them first. They're amazing. It's a calling. It's a calling. They form young minds for Jesus. And they don't even have to say Jesus because Jesus is coming out of them every single day. And Father, I pray this week, this start, this season, this time, God, You got to believe who you are. This time, God, this semester, I pray right now, your hedge of protection around them, God. I pray you encourage them, Father, they will not feel weary and well-doing, God. Though they don't think the kids are hearing anything, though they're on everything, God, I pray that you just touch each and every one. These teachers who are true teachers to the faith, true teachers of the principles of God, and we thank you for them, God. Encourage them in their new jobs and some are changing positions. I thank you that you already went before them and you're changing all the things and setting them up for success. And I thank you that they stand in the gap, stand in the gap for the next generation. I thank you, God. No one and nothing will stop what they're doing. Let them never feel insignificant. Let them always know they're on the teaching of the, they're on the spear, they're on the tip of the spear, doing a great work for you. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Sir.